Hi, and welcome to today's meeting of Book Hoarders Anonymous. Let's all begin by introducing ourselves. Hi, I'm Shannon, and I'm a book hoarder. Hi, Hi Shannon. Hi, I'm Aaron, and I'm a book hoarder. Hi, Hi Aaron. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Book Hoarders Anonymous, episode, oh my gosh, I think it's episode 47. 47? I think so. Oof. Getting up there, getting up there. Um, I'm Erin. And I'm Shannon. And we're here to talk about this month's homework, and which was a book that Shannon picked, and next month's homework, which is a book that I picked, which hopefully will be just a little bit more uplifting. Uh, and to do more book things. So, um, we do have some listener email. Ooh, yay, listener email. Kathy talked to us about her reading goals for this year, uh, which was our question from last time. And so, we will get to that right when we get to the question um, towards the end. So, let's begin by talking about what we read last month and why don't you start okay that. so last month i like i read a, a like wide variety of, of things i've been trying to branch out a little more and read some different things um i i read finally i read um life of Pi by oh, Jan martel of which course. i like, you know, it's it's been one of those really kind of ubiquitous book club kind of books. And I so I thought that it was all right. I was I thought that perhaps um, it wouldn't be something I would enjoy. But it ended up being like one of my favorite things that I read this last month. Wow. Um, it, 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 you know, if you haven't read it, it's about a young man who is um, his parents have, have left India for Canada and they're on a on a ship. And his his dad owned a zoo, and so they're transporting <laughs> some of the animals. Oh my and goodness! Then the ship sinks. Uh oh. And so he ends up on a raft on a lifeboat with a like three year old Bengal tiger. My oh my! And so he has to survive the trip, you know, in in like to you know across the ocean, sure. and also not get eaten by a tiger. Well, we wouldn't want that. That would be yeah. Really bad. I mean, it was and and obviously he he does because it you know the book does not end with gulp <laughs> you know but it was really like I, I don't normally go for things like that but it was really good and it was definitely outside of my comfort zone and I and, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed it far more than than I expected I would oh, good. um and then I read I like the last book I finished was Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mandel which was um, another book that I'd heard a lot of buzz about like a couple of years ago when it came out. And it is kind of set in this world that is like there was, you know, a virulent flu outbreak and, mm-hmm. you know, most of the world died. And there and there is this group of traveling musicians and actors that go around from like these little settlements and perform Shakespeare, you know, to kind of... It, and for the entertainment of like townspeople, and it's actually a surprisingly hopeful book, mm-hmm. um, considering that it's about the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
and it's it's also like not very science fictiony if that's if, if it's if you're not really into science fiction i would say that you you could read this and and it would be okay because there are also like flashbacks to life before the apocalypse and mm-hmm. it's like it's all about these connections that the characters have with each other that are kind of you know in, in interesting and in, in different ways okay and um let's see what else did i read i read um i read a fun book called uh unsuitable by ainsley payton that was my favorite romance i think that i read this month because it was kind of a, a departure from like the typical romancy type scenario i mean it, it was it was a typical romancy type scenario it's um, one of the characters needs a nanny Mm-hmm. And the other one is that, but the, the difference <laughs> is that the character who needs the nanny is a single woman, uh-huh. and the, the the person she hires is a man. Oh, so it was it was really good. It like it the author is from Australia, mm-hmm. and and it definitely feels like it is like set. It, it could not be set in like anywhere USA. It definitely felt like it was set in Australia, and it was just really interesting how they. Like that, they they she takes on the the fact that this guy wants to be a you know in this nurturing career mm-hmm. and the the things he kind of has to deal with like you know he can't say in in the hiring process outright that he loves kids that he loves you know little kids right. because he's it a man might come across a little bit right. And there's like this scene where she, you know, she installs a nanny cam and she's kind of watching him and, and you know, they, like when he finds out about it, you know, he calls her and he's like, would, you know, your last nanny was a woman. Would you have installed that for her? Mm-hmm. And she has to be honest and say that she didn't, you know. So it was just really like, and it, I didn't find it preachy about that kind of thing, but it was, it definitely made me think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I read a bunch of other stuff, but I think those three were, were the best things out of out of everything I read this month. Oh, that sounds good. I'll have to check that one out. I, that sounds like a really good book. Yeah, it um, was. And, and test the boundaries a little bit. Um, <laughs> speaking of testing the boundaries, I really tested my comfort zone when I read How to Be a Normal Person by T.J. Klune, who is Ooh. an author that you have always that I've, that I've talked about. Um, I tried reading another book by T.J. Klune and I couldn't get into it. I just had a lot of empathy for the main character in this, who was really socially awkward. And the narrator was excellent. Um, the person reading the book, and I can't remember his name, but he was really, really good. So the the story is basically that that Gus is a you know type A nerd, and reads encyclopedias before he goes to bed and thinks beef jerky is like the greatest dessert ever. Um, (laughs) He's, he's really, I mean, when it starts out, his dad has been dead three years and he was the one that the person that understood him. And so he's grieving for his father. Um, And he's really a pessimist at heart. Kind of reminded me of, well, certain people in my (laughs) life, actually. Um, (laughs) But um, he, he meets this this young guy named Casey who comes to town, um, and he's an uh, an author, and uh, they you know form this romance, and they each have their own you know flaws and problems. But it was just 
it was hysterical. Um, and I'm not really used to reading um, male male romance, so it was definitely um, an interesting departure for me. But I just the humor in it was just so snarky and funny. Um, and you know, if if you get really uncomfortable, they really smoke pot a lot in that book, which kind of made me a little yeah. uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, I mean, I thought it was really sweet and, um, uh, you know, a, a cute romance and, and these two sort of unlikely people got together. It was nice. Um, let's see. And, and what else did I read? Um, I read a book called A Long and Happy Life by Reynolds Price for my neighborhood book club. Uh, it was, it took a while to get going, but it was, it was basically about... Um, post-World War II North Carolina, um, and these white people, well, I say this because it was the racial overtones in this book were, were really interesting. Um, the white people kind of kept to themselves, but at the same time, when they were children, it was like, okay to hang out with the blacks across the river, you know? Um, so, it was really, that was kind of interesting, because it starts out, this girl, um, Rosa, her who's white her black friend dies giving birth to a baby and so it's kind of like her memories of her friend and and then what happens to this poor baby that is you know unwanted and more of her black um that she has to that she kind of doesn't take into her home but she she does care for and and learns to love and um it's really about her relationship with her boyfriend who's kind of, you know, afraid of commitment and had her on a string for six or seven years and she's waited for him and he's really a jerk, but he kind of grows up in the book um, as the book goes on and um, it ends with a Christmas pageant. So it ends with like the death of, of her friend, but yet the birth of baby Jesus at Christmas time. And so it's kind of like the birth of her new life begins and she agrees to marry a boyfriend and all this but um it was reynolds price's first novel in the 60s and he was a professor at duke university in the english department uh and um it was very widely acclaimed when it was out thank god it was short <laughs> that's all i'll say i did kind of like it but it was just one of those things um i don't know it was it took like a while to get going and then you kind of finish it and you're like, that's it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and lastly, the book that I'll mention as my nonfiction read um, was, <clears throat> is called Tomorrow is Already Here by Lucetta Zaytoun, um, and another North Carolina author. Actually, she's really not an author. She's a a real person who's really still alive and whom I actually know. She's a friend of mine. Um, and I saw her speak um, about her book at um, a business event that I went to. Uh, and she wrote a book about her marriage to her ex-husband. Well, it's not about her marriage. It's about the aftermath of her marriage when she realized her ex-husband was in love with someone else. And she just decided she wanted a divorce and she didn't want to stay. And 
she would leave the country and go volunteer and travel around the world to try and find out what her next move was in life because she was just a stay-at-home mom for the longest time with kids and um mm-hmm. and creepily enough I know her ex-husband um that really creeped me out <laughs> oh I bet yeah it was like oh I know him <laughs> Um, and I don't, I mean, it was kind of like, I don't think he had an affair or anything. I just think, you know, like she realized he, he loved someone else rather than her. And she initiated, um, the divorce and, and went through that. And apparently they're still friends and, you know, they still, she still hangs around with the family and stuff, but it's just not this, obviously not the same. Um, and she has her own career in her own life, but she wrote a book about her travels and it's very readable. It's all, it's like reading a story but you're reading a memoir. It's not. There's a lot of dialogue in it, um, and it's very um, uh, fresh. Was the word that that came to mind? You won't find someone with this many adventures in a book. It's like eat, let, eat, pray, love on steroids. Um, oh, fun! But it is really a lot of fun, and also at the same time very introspective, um, as she's you know thinking about herself and where she belongs and everything. So I really. Um, did enjoy that quite a bit uh, and couldn't put it down. So I was very happy to um, read that. Um, And that takes us into kind of our news stories because Hillary Clinton is writing a book of personal essays because, of course, what else do you do when you no longer have the presidency to look back on or look forward to, rather? Um, and so Simon and Schuster is going to come out with that book of essays later this fall. It is still untitled, and apparently the foreword is going to be by Katy Perry. That's um, okay. Oh, okay sure. then. Sure, whatever. Um, and speaking of Simon and Schuster, gosh, what is this author's name? Um, Maya, my Milo. Uh, Yana Palos, I think. Is, yeah, I think that's it. Is that how I, you pronounce I, I, it? I don't. I've always only ever really seen it written written out, <laughs> but I think Yana Yana Palos is right. Yeah, he um was very. He's very outspoken and doesn't worry about offending people. So apparently, this whole thing started when last year he made a comment on Twitter that the Ghostbusters actresses were fat and ugly or something. And one of them got very offended by that. I haven't seen the movie. I don't know anything about it, except that the previews did not make it look like, look very good. Um, But he apparently tweeted that one of them was fat. And so he's made all these sort of outrageous and very offensive tweets to, to women, people of transgender orientation, you know, various gender orientations. Um, and very, very politically incorrect things. We'll just say, um, and he's gotten a lot of people very upset and offended. He is coming out with a book, I guess, later this year called Danger. I've never read any of his books, so I don't know what it's like. Um, and there was some debate about whether it would actually get a publisher because he has just been so hateful and, you know, I, I don't know how to explain it. But. So here's the thing that what? I think about this guy. I, I think he is a professional troll. <laughs> I I do not like I read an article about him in the New York Times that was like written by somebody that knows him mm-hmm. where you know she was like well he's he's a very nice guy but not but he is totally just like 
like he knows how to get a rise out of people and that mm-hmm. is what he does. Right. And and like it's just that he is a professional troll with like this big platform and online following. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the impression that I've gotten from what I what I read about him is that he's not that sincere. You know, he's like mostly just saying saying stuff to say stuff and Yeah. And, That's what I get like, about know, him too. It, it, like, you know, picking on on you know, women or, you know, people of color or people with different, like, gender identities. Like, you know, of course that gets a rise out of people because it's, like, deliberately provocative and offensive. Mm-hmm. And my opinion about him is that that we should just ignore him because he is a man-child seeking attention. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. I've seen him interviewed, and that's exactly how he appears to me. A, a, a big boy who hasn't grown up yet, and he's just seeking to get a rise out of people. As he did with Roxana Gay, who wrote the bad feminist essays and is now trying to write another book. Um, she was so outraged that it got taken up by Simon & Schuster that she pulled it, pulled her book from Simon & Schuster, and it's not going to be published by them anymore. Um, I, it goes both ways, you know what? I mean, it's like... We're telling people to ignore him. Maybe he'll grow up. But then people don't ignore him. And so it just fuels his flame. Yeah. You know? It's sort of like you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. Pardon yeah. Pardon language. Yeah. But, I mean, um, she has every right to, to not to oh, like, yeah. stand by her principles. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, you know, I, like, I don't, don't know what good it serves mm-hmm. for her to have, have pulled her book. Like... You know, it's certainly not going to matter that much to Simon and Schuster. No, <laughs> no, it, it it won't. And she'll just she'll get it published somewhere else. And I, yeah. I don't know what good it's it, what good in the long run it's gonna it's gonna serve. But um, in any event, that is what has happened. I haven't read any of her books, so I can't I can't speak to. It, I read that bad feminist essay collection. I did like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I didn't. I read it before it came on Bard, and of course, after I finished it, like the day after I finished it, it showed up. Of course, of course. (laughs) Um, in lighter news, Kim Kardashian is starting a book club, and if you have her, that's what we always wanted, right? Yeah, that's what we always wanted. And if you have her app, you can join in. Oh my God, she has an app. Um, (laughs) they are reading "Embraced by the Light" by. Betty Eady, I think it is, and it's about a woman, I guess, who had a near-death experience or something? Yeah, I think it was really super popular back in the 90s. Yeah, because I remember hearing about it kind of like vaguely, people asking me if I had read it. Um, But yeah, if you want to join it, I mean, download the Kim Kardashian app because you know you want it. (laughs) (laughs) The article was just making fun of... The whole concept, so you know, put well, it in the show I'm, I'm notes. I'm glad and, she's reading. That's, yeah, that's all. That's good. That. That's good. That's very good. Um, <laughs> and speaking of reading, the the little golden books are turning seventy five. I'm so happy. I loved these books oh, when I was a kid. Yeah. The pokey little puppy and his cohorts are turning seventy five this month. I used to have them on record. Like, I had the golden books, but then my parents found the records. Oh, wow. It was so cool. And, of course, I don't have them anymore, but I had the Pokey Little Puppy. I remember that. And there was another book on the other side. There was another one on the other side of the record. Um, And I had a lot of little golden books. 
And the the cool thing about the books that I had, of course, is that they remained pristine because my parents were the only ones that read them and then they would just put them back on the shelf. And they were, I don't know what my mother ever did with them, but I had a lot of little little books, those little golden books with those little spines. And Yeah, I did too. Of course, I had two younger siblings, so I'm sure that they did not remain pristine. Yeah, probably not. You had a brother too, didn't you? Or don't uh-huh. you? Don't you have a brother too? Yeah, I have I have a brother and sister. Oh, I thought you so. said you had two younger sisters. I'm like, well, okay. no, no, two younger siblings. <laughs> oh, siblings. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I I just putting it in here as nostalgia. I think they're still being written. Um, and part of their appeal was their illustrations. And I didn't know this, but they got a lot of cartoonists and other. Uh, animators who were not able to make it in the commercial market, you know, with film and TV to come and animate and, and illustrate, excuse me, their books. And they're still in keeping with that tradition. And that is just so cool. That is awesome. <laughs> I just love it. Um, and they used to cost a quarter. Can you believe it? What could we I buy know. now with a quarter? Nothing costs a quarter anymore. Come on. Oh, my goodness. Mm. But anyway, I thought I would end with that because it's so cool and they're still being written and I just think it's great. Um, moving on to our book, we had A Lesson Before Dying by Ernest T. Gaines. J. Gaines. Oh, I J. Think. Gaines. I think of Ernest T. Bass from The Andy Griffith Show, which is <laughs> really bad, but you know. Um, but Ernest J. Gaines. So I've talked for long enough now. Now it's your turn. Um, what okay. did you think about the book? Since you, you so, picked it, you go first. I picked it, and I don't know, I, I was, my roommate and I were talking about this, and I was telling her about this book, and she was like, why did you do that to yourself, Shannon? <laughs> you know, why are you reading about racism in, in the Jim Crow South, <laughs> when you could be reading anything else? Um, but I actually really liked it. It was not um, quite what I expected it to be. I, it's about a you know, a teacher who grew up in this little town called Bayonne, Louisiana. And, um, you know, he left to go to college and then he came back to teach, you know, the, the black students in his community and, you know, is deeply unhappy and he keeps thinking (laughs) I should leave. And, but then he keeps not doing it and he's got this really complicated relationship with his aunt. And then, um, like at, the beginning of the book, uh, they are having the trial of this young man named Jefferson, who was kind of at the wrong place at the wrong time when um, there was the robbery at a liquor store, and the liquor store was owned by a white man, and the white man was killed, and so were the other two guys that he was with, and like so he was the only survivor, so naturally he was he was the one know, who did it, the murder, <laughs> right? Yeah, and and. And so he was he was sentenced to death, and the the, the de- his defense lawyer his defense was well he's just not that smart he, he's not smart enough to do this and his line is you know I'd as soon put a hog on the electric chair than than this boy and so um, the this teacher Grant his his aunt basically um, he she bullies him into going up and talking to Jefferson at the prison because, you know, Jefferson's godmother, who's the woman that raised him, you know, she, she's like, no, I want my son to die like a man. 
you know, and not and just to, you know, prove them wrong that he's not an animal. Mm-hmm. And Grant doesn't really want to do it, but you know, he kind of gets bullied into it, like I said, and for a long time nothing happens. And, you know, then finally, of course, there there is you know, he, he gets through it to Jefferson, but it it takes a while. And, you know, the book is not really about Jefferson, even though he is the one that's dying. Um, you know, it's more about this Grant's struggles to to kind of figure out where, what his, his place is in the world and why he stays. And, um, you know, to like, you know, he's trying to teach Jefferson how to be a man. But, you know, in the end, he kind of he, he learns a few things himself. Yeah. <clears throat> and I mean, I liked what I thought was really interesting about the book was that um like all of these characters are pretty complex. They're not I mean Grant himself is not he's a bit of a pill through most of the book to be honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> you know, he's he's just not I like he, he's living with his aunt and his aunt basically raised him and you know, he just seems to be very ungrateful to her mm-hmm. for, like, all the things she does with him. And he's sleeping with this woman who seems like a lovely person, but also she's married to somebody else. <laughs> and there's just this little thing of a divorce that has to be gotten yeah. first. Just a little divorce. No big deal. Yeah. But she's got kids. So she's, like, that's her thing. Is like, you know, she's not quite sure she wants to do that. Mm-hmm. Um but you know it was just it, so like he's this very um not saintly very human character and um it, you know certainly i i thought it was i and i got the the impression at the end that you know he was he was he did learn how to be a better man but he's still de- as deeply flawed <laughs> Right <laughs> at the start, as he was in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, the other thing I I would say that really struck me was that that I just didn't um, like. It seems like when we it, this is maybe one of the first books I've read that was about racism, kind of from a, a a black person's perspective that wasn't you know some one of the big ones like uh, you roots know, or yeah queen or. I, I, I know there are others. (laughs) The color purple, Um, yeah. But you know, this was like the racism in this book was it was it was all mostly like you know what they call microaggressions now, um, which I thought was like it it made it a lot more real to me as you know somebody with as you know a disabled person, like thinking about the things he went through, like. You know, there was there was one particular scene where he's, you know, they're trying to get permission from the the white sheriff for for Grant to go visit Jefferson in the prison, which remember Grant doesn't really want to do. Right. But they have to go into the back door of the this plantation house where this guy lives and then they stand there for two and a half hours waiting while, while the, he the, socializes the guy, and stuff. Yeah, has like drinks <clears throat> with his friends in the in like in the other part of the house. And then they, like, he eats dinner, <laughs> he goes, you know, like, does whatever, and then finally comes and sees them, but, like, two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, like, you know, it wasn't, like, a lynching or a, you know, anything like that. It wasn't, you know, burning a cross in your lawn, but it was, like, nobody's made me stand there for two and a half hours. Yeah, but, I mean, I it just was, have thought. It was a humiliation. It, 
it was a humiliation and it was one that I could absolutely see. Oh, and, and like, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not the same experience, but it made me think of like every time I go to the grocery store mm-hmm. and, and have to get some help going through the aisles and how, you know, you have to stand there as a blind person and wait for somebody to, to dis- one, decide that they have time to help you <laughs> and two maybe find somebody that can be sort of mildly competent at doing so. Right. Um, and so, you know, there's, it's definitely hard <laughs> but that's but it, it definitely felt real and there mm-hmm. were several scenes like that where you know there's another one where he's like visiting Jefferson and his usual deputy that that he kind of becomes friends with isn't there so it's this other guy and the guy's like you know he stops and goes to the bathroom <laughs> and then after he's done with that he like chats with some friends in the hall for like 10 minutes of this hour that he's supposed to be spending you know it's like making this guy wait <laughs> What struck me about it is not necessarily that he had to wait, but that it was just like a fact of life that yeah, it, it had yeah. to, you know, that was just the way things were and you, you dealt with it. Um, not trying not to appear too smart. Right. Um, and also the casting that went on in, in the black community, um, the, the, the typecasting, they, they were, um, I don't know another word for it, but the people with lighter skin were viewed with, at the same time, more suspicion and as if they were better than yeah. the vast majority. And that was just the way things were. That was just the way it was. Um, so I agree. I found all the characters very human. And at one point, I wanted to strangle at least, at least probably all of them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I did um, like, however, that there were, you know, he did try and paint a picture. It wasn't all, you know, the white people are evil and the black people are the good people. I mean, there were some good white people. At there least, were. At least yeah, one. The deputy. That, the that deputy. He, that he what was his name? Paul. With. That he became friends with. Um, and I, I really felt like this book did a very good job at portraying people as human beings. And I think that was, um, that was the whole point of the book. And I think he did it, he did it admirably. Very well. Um, and I don't know anything else that, that this author has written to you. I don't. Mm-hmm. I, I do think that the version we read on Bard was very well narrated. I I felt like that guy did a really good job with it. I think he did. I he did too. And I'm ashamed of myself when I found out it was him. I was like, huh? He's a white guy, and he's going to be, you know, talking in this dialect and stuff. I'm not sure how. But he really didn't. I mean, he he like, did he, some, but not. He did some, but it wasn't. It like if I I keep thinking about the like the the biggest example of racism I've seen in in audiobook narrating ever, which was my attempt to read World War Z. Ooh. Or there's this one part at the beginning where it's ta- where it's from the point of view of this Chinese, you know you know, expert mm-hmm. on zombies or whatever. And the guy is just like, who reads it is just reading it in this awful, like fake Asian, Asian accent that mm-hmm. like does not sound like any way that an educated Chinese person, even if they weren't, even if they didn't speak fluent, fluent English, you know, they would not talk like that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. 
but so no, this book was not like that, Mm-mm. and and I it felt was... like he really hit the right. I mean, he sounded more southern to me than like he was trying to be particularly right, you know, stereotypically black sounding. Right. I think it was really well done um, all around. So, despite the fact that it only had one. Uh, marker in yeah. it <laughs> only one marker it is perpetually chapter one yes uh I, I thought it was i thought it was really good and i i waited until the last minute before reading it because again why do we do this to ourselves right i didn't want to have this <laughs> hanging over my head for the whole month that we did not record or you know six weeks or whatever it's been since we recorded the last podcast so i read it you know just this past week um and I did not, I mean, it was not one of those books that I, you know, cried at the end, but, ooh, just thinking about the electrocution and what it must have been like. Um, granted, it was not as vividly described as it was in The Green Mile. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, but it, it does give you some things to think about. Um, I think they were written kind of con- contemporaneously but I think it, so too it like they were both written in the 90s and so I wonder if, if like you know either of either Stephen King or like Ernest J. Gaines had read each other's book. Other book whichever one came first. I'm not sure I'm not sure but it does seem like I, I thought the same thing because I think this was written in like 92 or 93 and the Green Mile is um he started writing it about the same time um but um, maybe we can move on and talk yeah. about our homework for the next book. Um, this was a book that I chose. It's called On Silver Wings. Um, the Women Air Force Service Pilots of World War II. And it's a share from the Texas State Library for the Blind. So it's somewhat regional. Um, and it's by Mary Verges. You can find it on Bard. Of course, it's in, I said it's a share, so that's where it came from if you're downloading the Bard version. But it's also, you know, kind of everywhere else, too. Um, you can, uh, I think, also find it on Bookshare. I think I looked. I think it's there. Um, but um, this book is about just what it says. There were women pilots in World War II in the United States Army, and not a lot of people know that uh, in the Allied forces. And their job was not necessarily to fight combat missions, but to instruct uh, male service pilots and to go on scouting missions and do other things. Uh, they did not... Um, achieve full recognition, I guess, until the 70s, but this book is basically about their struggle for recognition. Um, And I am hopeful that it will be more uplifting (laughs) than the book we just read. Than this, yes. (laughs) Uh, It is nonfiction, but apparently it's supposed to be somewhat anecdotal uh, in in form, so um, hopefully not dry and boring. Uh, You know, the last time I said that, (laughs) but we'll see um and now let's see about the questions we have um last month we asked you what your reading goals were and kathy got back to us uh with her reading goals she said that ever since 2012 she started to keep track of books that she's read in a year um it's helped her remember what books she's been reading um, so she did remember reading A Lesson Before Dying also, but she read it a year ago, so she can't remember it. She may have, maybe she read it again for our podcast. I don't know. 
Um, and so she is trying this year. Um, let's see. She's trying to read more of a variety in her books this year. I think that's something we all go for, and then sometimes mm-hmm. we all don't make it. I know I've been keeping pretty close to that this year so far, but we'll see what happens as the year moves on. Yeah, um, it, it seems like you, I, like I do really well at that like in January and February. Then by about July, I'm like, whatever. Yeah, I know. Whatever I feel like. I know. And I don't have a question for this month. Do you have one for this month? I, just, I don't. I don't I, either. I, only remembered about questions when you when we yeah about it I didn't I, I have to say I didn't remember about it either so um, no question for this month but the homework is on silver on wings. silver wings yeah <clears throat> on silver wings and um, hopefully we'll all enjoy that um, so that's all I've got I think this is probably right. our shortest podcast ever. <laughs> Which is good because I have to go run errands after yeah. this. <laughs> so this hopefully gives you enough time to do that. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, of course, you can email bhapodcast at gmail.com. You can check us out at Book Hoarders on Twitter or on the website bhapodcast.com. And if you want to follow us individually, I'm on Twitter at Bardsong and Aaron is on Twitter at Aaron Edgar. And you can listen to uh, The Melting Pot, which is the show that she does on the-phoenix.net or netradiogroup.com. There you go. And that is 7 to 10 um, Um, Eastern time on Sunday. Yeah, 7 to 9, 7 7 to 9 9. Eastern. It used to be till 10, but it's not anymore. Uh, And I do we're getting old. Yeah, I know. We're getting old and I just can't do this three hour thing anymore. I don't have the energy. Uh, The show tonight will feature some music from 1948 in keeping with this book that we read, which took place in 1948. Um, So if you want to tune in for that and see what kinds of things were popular... <laughs> Feel free to do or, that, or check it out on the archives if there there is any, because we will probably not get this episode out yeah. tonight. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is a valid point. I don't think it's going to be going out tonight, uh, but yeah, check it out on the archives, um, and we will see you all next time. All right, bye bye bye. To contact the book hoarders. Send email to bhapodcast at gmail.com. Follow Book Hoarders on Twitter. And visit the website at bhapodcast.com.